0: Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 47 to 62. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. He touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to, the chief, uh, said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion, that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The word of the Lord.
1: Today, we are back in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Gospel of Luke. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we're talking about denying Jesus. The perils of denying Jesus. I think I went a little extravagant with this sermon title. I really just thought it was a cool sermon title. We're just kind of talking about denying Jesus. And my big idea up front is that Jesus can turn the worst of deniers into the best of disciples. Jesus can turn the worst of deniers into the best of disciples. I want to talk briefly about this idea of denying something. To deny something means to uh, declare that something is untrue. And we tend to think of denial as a bad thing. I mean, there are situations where, you know, obviously if something's false, you can deny it. That's a good thing. But there are lots of examples where we deny something and it's it's not good. Uh, So I recently watched a Netflix documentary called Behind the Curve. Behind Has anyone seen this documentary? Okay. I thought maybe you had seen it. Uh, so, it's a fascinating study about uh, this growing phenomenon of people who believe the earth is flat and not a globe. They don't believe the earth is round. And I guess we have one believer here tonight. Uh, So they kind of believe the earth is flat. If you've seen the movie The Truman Show, there's a debate among the flat earthers on whether there's a dome or if it just kind of goes perpetually into space. This is a hot, hotly debated issue among the flat earthers. Uh, But there's this idea that they are denying something that we know to be true, right? Modern science. They have no scientists that agree. They have no educators that agree. But there are some people that believe this, and so you begin to wonder, well, what you know, like? What's the conspiracy that would help uh, that that would make this worth hiding? Like, what about around Earth is so bad? And so you begin to realize, well, this is a pretty bad denial. Like, this is a pretty big denial of some kind of big um, Earth or Earth shattering truth, right? And yet. It's not the worst denial we can commit. There's actually a worse denial that we can commit than this. And I think we actually commit it fairly often. It's easy to look at something like that and kind of make fun of them. And if you're a flat earther and you're listening to this sermon, I hope that you will continue with the sermon. But each one of us, I think, struggles with denying Jesus, denying uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a faithful follower of Christ Jesus. When we don't give every part of our life to him, when we aren't honest about our relationship with him, with others, when we're too embarrassed or ashamed, there's, there's a form of denying Christ in that. And that's, that's actually much worse than the denying that the earth is round because that has eternal significance. It really matters. See, if we're denying that the Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ, who created this beautiful round earth, if we're denying his lordship over any aspect of our life, we need to deal with that. We need to change. In our text today, we find two examples of denying Christ. And we're going to look at each one of those examples one at a time. And the first one is Judas. See, Judas displays a rejection of the heart. Now, this is the week of Jesus' crucifixion and death. And now, maybe you remember a couple weeks ago we talked about uh, kind of the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. He rode on a donkey, and it seems like no one is denying Jesus at this time. Everyone's a fan, except for a couple of the high ranking religious leaders those that have kind of their, their authority structure invested in, in maintaining power, well, they deny Jesus. They don't like him. And so they begin to scheme and plot, and they begin to try to catch Jesus in a trap all that week, but they can't do it. And so they hire one of Jesus' disciples, one of Jesus' Jesus's 12, a man named Judas. And Judas gives in. And it actually says in Luke chapter 22, verse 3, that Satan entered Judas And then Judas betrayed Jesus. Judas denied Christ. Verses 47 and 48 say this. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? So we find our first case of denial with Judas. Judas sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. The Bible doesn't say exactly why Judas did it. It's kind of fun to imagine, like, what, what, what was your, like, driving motive for this? Is it because you loved money? Is it because you wanted uh, to spark a rebellion, you wanted Jesus to fight back? We don't know, but what we do know is that his heart was not with Jesus. His heart was with 30 pieces of silver. His heart was somewhere else. This is amazing because Judas lived and traveled with Jesus for three years. He was one of his companions. He, he listened to his teachings. He listened to the parables. He volunteered yeah, kind of helping Jesus, kind of serving him. He he ran the finances. But his heart was far from Jesus. And it was disastrous. It was utterly disastrous for him. Luke, uh, Matthew 24, verse 26-24 uh, says this: But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. It's Jesus talking about Judas. And here again, Jesus is talking about his disciples and then he talks about Judas. He says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None of them has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. Wow. The Bible tells us that Judas goes on to hang himself, that he he rejects Jesus and and it, it leads to his destruction. And I, I just want to be very clear that the worst mistake anyone can make, not, not the whole flat earth thing, the worst mistake anyone can make is denying Jesus in their heart. Denying Christ. Denying that Jesus is Lord and Savior of all. That's the worst mistake any of us, any of us can make. And we, we can go through all the right motions. Like we can come to church. We can open the doors for each other. We can, we can help serve communion. We can come here each week. We can lift up our hands in worship. We can sing. We can be the best public prayers. But if our heart is far from Christ, it has done us no good. And so let's take a moment and examine our hearts. Do I really love jesus am i just going through the motions and am i just doing this because this is a habit like am i am i all about christ is he my lord is he my king we don't want to either either pass away or Christ return and find out that we're a fake we don't want to find out that we're, we've just been a spy living among God's people, not really truly one of his followers. We want to be a true follower of Christ. We want to really love Jesus. And you know what? There is grace for you if that is you tonight. If you say, wow, I've been going through the motions or I don't know Jesus, there is grace for you tonight. Here at Cornerstone, Christ is offering you grace and forgiveness Jesus gave Judas one more chance here. He did. He asked him, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Judas said yes in his heart. But there was an opportunity for him to say, no, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. There was an opportunity for grace. And he said, no, don't let that be you. Don't let that be me. Come to Christ Jesus and receive complete and total forgiveness, love, compassion, and grace. And then Jesus will begin to take you, the worst of deniers, and we've all been there. We were all the worst of deniers before Christ Jesus. He'll begin to take us. And make us into the best of disciples. As he changes our hearts from a heart of rejection to a heart of worship and love. So our first example here is Judas. And we're going to look at this next example. And many of you know who he is. He's this guy who has like the best intentions in his heart. (laughs) His heart is all in, even if sometimes his heart is in the wrong way. When the soldiers come to take Jesus away, this man, Peter, he pulls out his sword and he strikes the high priest's servant's ear. And Jesus says, no more of this. This is not what my kingdom is about. My my kingdom will not advance through violence ever. Jesus heals the man and lets them lead him away. And like that ruins Peter's plan. (laughs) Peter had a good plan. Like, they show up. I got my sword. We're going to, let's do this. We're going to start the rebellion today. Episode one. Here we go. That's a Star Wars reference that I just, like, snuck in there. You can ignore that. Luke 22, verses 54 through 57 say this. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. And Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. So where does Peter's denial come from? I think Peter's denial is due to fear and shame. See, Peter's just, like, worked up his courage, and then de- Jesus dashed his plan on the rock. On the rocks, like, Peter was ready for a fight. And now when he comes into this courtyard, when he comes to the home of the high priest, he, like, he meets this, this unstoppable, like, awful foe that is just too big. A little servant girl. <laughs> he meets her, and is just completely intimidated by her. He says, woman. I don't know him. He's begun to let his fears take over. He's begun to let his anxieties control him. He's begun to not look at Jesus, but to look at himself and to say, I want to make it out of this. I want to make it out alive. I don't want to get put on trial with Jesus. I'm not ready to die. Who is this guy? I've only known him for three years. I've seen him do miracles, but... Like, is this, I'm not willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. I'm not willing to go to the cross. I'm not willing to be crucified with Jesus. I think Peter is very relatable. <laughs> His heart's not in question. He loves Jesus. He, he confessed that Jesus is the Messiah. But he still doesn't really get what it means to be a true disciple there's some things about Jesus in his ministry that he is missing. And at the end of the day, it's really about himself. And so he's easily ashamed. He's easily afraid. So I want us to think about ourselves. Has fear or shame ever kept us from talking about Christ? Has fear or shame ever stopped me from telling someone that needs to hear it about Jesus? Not just about church or or what I do on the weekends, but like about Christ Jesus. Has fear and shame stopped us from sharing the gospel? The gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ and that if you repent of your sins and believe in him, his death and resurrection become your own. And you get to live eternally with Christ Jesus. You can be forgiven of your sins and receive a whole new life. That's what the gospel is, but how often do we actually share this message with others? I worked for, with a man for several summers who, uh, an older guy, and a fun guy, uh, lots of jokes, fun to be around, and I wanted to share the gospel with him. Like, I wanted to talk about Jesus with him, but I always kinda got nervous, you know? And He knew I was a Christian, you know, so maybe that was enough. He knew that I went to church. He knew that I, you know, believed in Jesus. He would still tell off-color jokes and stuff, so he was comfortable around me. But I, I just wasn't quite comfortable enough around him to share the gospel with him. And then one winter, uh, his fin, his, his, uh, I think it was his renters found him on the floor. He was comatose in his house, and he never woke up. And I never shared the gospel with him. He died. I don't want that to be us. I don't want that to be you. I want us to, to talk about Christ. I don't want us to be afraid or ashamed. Like I, I want us to, to live in such a way that we're, that we're not stopped by our fears. We might, we might still have fears. We might still have shame but it doesn't stop us. Jesus calls us to this. Luke 12, I tell you, I tell you, Cornerstone, I tell you, Jonathan, I tell you, this church, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God, but whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Do you think Peter knew how serious it was to deny Jesus? I think he did. I think he did. In fact, earlier that evening, what did Jesus prophesy? Jesus had prophesied that Satan was not only tempting Judas, Satan was tempting Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, Simon's another name for Peter, that you, that your faith may not fail. Remember when I preached on um, prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? What did Jesus say? He said, Pray so that you may not fall into temptation. I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus, before he prophesies Peter's denial, prophesies his restoration. That's really encouraging. Like we always tend to focus on the prophecy of of denial. But even before Jesus says, you're going to deny me, he says, Peter, you're going to come back when you have turned back. That means Peter will turn back, strengthen your brothers. Sometimes we have to go through these moments of darkness and, and defeat in order that God can use us in a different place. Verse 33, but he replied to me, Lord, so this is Peter speaking, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Those were big words. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Satan laid claim on Peter just like he did Judas. Judas didn't have like the Holy Spirit, Judas didn't have a belief in Christ Jesus. I think Peter does. Satan can't enter Peter. Peter. Peter's faith in Christ is genuine. It is authentic. And so when he realizes what he's done, how he betrays Jesus, how he denies Jesus, just like, just like Judas, it crushes him. Verses 60 through 62. 62. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter's tears are a mark of a true disciple. Judas had regret. Judas was remorseful, but Judas was not repentant. If anything, Judas tried to atone for his own sins by killing himself, but, but Peter realizes he can't atone for his own sins. He can't do anything to bring Jesus back. He weeps of a broken heart. And We need to ask ourselves, is there something that I need to weep over? Is there some place in my life that I have denied Jesus? Maybe in a way that I'm I'm acting disobedient, something I'm doing that I know doesn't pleasing God. I am denying him in those actions. Or how about a more public, invisible place? I have never told my coworkers, I have never told my friends about Jesus Christ and what he can do to save them. Is Christ calling us to truly repent, to weep over our denial of him? I think he is. But the good news is is that grace is coming. This is Friday. This is darkness. This is death. But Sunday is coming. The resurrection is coming. When Peter hears about the resurrection, he runs. He runs to the tomb. Apparently John runs faster, but Peter, uh, he stops at the door, and then Peter runs straight in because he wants to see if this tomb is empty. He wants to hear that Christ is alive or at least what they did with his body. And then a couple days later, uh, Jesus appears to Peter behind locked doors and all the other disciples. But even despite all that, somehow Peter doesn't really feel forgiven. He goes to, uh, Peter's like supposed to to follow Jesus and, and kind of start this new ministry. And what does he do? He goes to Galilee and he starts fishing again. We read this in the Gospel of John. Jesus comes and finds Peter, and we find this interaction. I'm going to put it on the screen. It's John 21, verses 15 through 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know, I love you. This is the first affirmation. Watch how many affirmations are there are. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, John of Don, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. That's two. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. That's three times. Jesus is offering restoration for the worst of deniers, for Peter. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? He's walking Peter back through that, that, that trial. He's, he's walking him back through those three denials. He's giving him three opportunities to repent and to follow Christ Jesus. Jesus can turn the worst of deniers into the best of disciples. And if we're the worst of deniers, if, if we've denied Jesus, if we, if we haven't been honest or, or shared about him, if we've never told anyone, Jesus can tonight walk us back through those and restore us. I don't think Jesus is going to magically take away our fears and shame, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can, he can begin to change us and to mold us and to make us new. Jesus offers restoration for us. At this same job, I worked with another woman for about a decade, uh, often in the summers, and I never shared the gospel with her either. You're noticing a pattern. We would talk about church, and um, I did an internship and wrote a couple sermons, and she read some of my sermons, so she, like, I kind of like... Fish hooked it in, like like I'm gonna get the gospel in somehow. But except for me, like I'm not gonna actually share it with you. Uh, I'm gonna try to try to wedge it in. And we never had conversations. And then you know I came to seminary and and uh, moved away from Colorado. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, the Lord just really laid her on my heart and was convicting me. I was I was reading. Uh, in Ezekiel, and it talks about like the the absolute need to 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 share the message with others. And uh, this, well, it was the last week, I had to walk home from my mechanic, so I dropped off my car. It's pretty close to my house, and I was walking home, and I was making phone calls, and I got done with the kind of the, the busy phone calls, and then the Lord was like, "Hey, remember this lady?" <laughs> So I was like, oh, no, Lord, I don't, I don't want to call her. I don't want to do this. Um, and I was like, okay, Lord, I will, I will, I will do the first. I will, I will call her. I can't guarantee you, Jesus, anything beyond that. Like I will pick up the phone and I will call. And so that's what I did. I, I called and she was so happy to hear from me. Like it had been a while since we talked. And then about 10 minutes in, she said, so why did you call me? Did you have a specific reason to call me? And then my heart was just like, (laughs) 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 Uh, and I lied. I lied to her. I said, do you mean like we're pregnant? No, we're not pregnant. Uh, uh, You know, and I was just like totally taken aback. So like your, your pastor lied to her. The door was wide open and I didn't take it because I was afraid and I was nervous and I was like, oh man, what, like the world will end Uh, I did manage to tell her, like, I kind of, like, squeaked it out. You know, like, I was praying, and the Lord really laid you on my heart, and she thought that was so sweet. Uh, And then she hung up, and I had to go. So I was like, oh, what should I do? So I went and talked to Monica, and she reminded me of our shepherd, of our good shepherd, of Christ Jesus. And then if our shepherd is leading us someplace, right? If the Holy Spirit is leading us someplace, like, that's where Jesus is, So if the Holy Spirit, if our shepherd is leading us here, like it's not safe for us to go that way or that way or to stay here. The safest place, the best place is to walk with the shepherd into that thing, whatever that thing is. And for me, it was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with this woman. So I was like, oh, man, can I just write a letter? (laughs) Can I just write a letter or like a really long text? Uh. And so I called her back, she, she was like, I can't talk right now, I'll call you back later. And she didn't call me back that day or the next day. And finally, on the third day, there's a lot of Easter parallels here. Uh, I sent her a text and I said, you know, I really did have something on my heart that I wanted to share with you. There's other things I want to share too, just because I want to get in touch with you. Um, but if you could call me back, that'd be great. She said, sure, I'll call you back. And when she called me, I like, felt like joy in my heart. Like I wasn't nervous anymore. I was just like, "This is awesome! Like I'm going to share the gospel with this lady. It's going to be great." And so uh, we talked for a couple minutes, and then I said, "You know, I just I wanted to be honest with you about something in my faith. I don't want to offend you. Like I know that you have a different uh, faith and a different religion, but I really just wanted to share about Jesus with you." And I said, "Jesus loves you. He died to save you from your sins. I'm sinful. I'm broken." And so are you. You need to be forgiven. And, and Jesus says that if you repent of your sins and believe in him, you will receive eternal life. And that's about all that I said. There was a pause. And she said, like, is this so nice that you feel comfortable sharing this with me? Like, it's so nice that, that you're willing to kind of share that part of your life with me, your, your religion, your faith. And I've always appreciated that we can have these sorts of conversations. And then we talked about other things and it didn't circle back around. I didn't press it. But I thought, okay, Lord, I've shared the gospel. I've shared the gospel. I haven't shared about like those Christian things I'm doing. I haven't shared like I'm praying for you. I've shared the gospel. Lord, she's in your hands. Jesus can turn the worst of deniers into a reasonably okay disciple. <laughs> so that's my story. It was really hard. I was really anxious for about three days. <laughs> but what's your story? Like, who is God asking you to talk to? Who is the person in your life that you have denied Jesus? Over and over again, too. We all need to walk that path again. Peter was called to walk those denials again. He had to go back through and retrace it. It is time for you. It is time for me to walk that path again. Jesus is probably going to call me to do other things that are going to make me uncomfortable. Why don't you come and join me? (laughs) It will be fun. We can compare notes. We'll be awkward together. Awkward Christianity. On that beach near the Sea of Galilee, Jesus promised Peter that he would walk through the denials again, not just verbally with Jesus on the shore, but he would literally walk through the denial again. John 21, 18 through 19, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands And someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus is prophesying that Peter will be crucified. Peter will have to pick up his cross and follow Christ Jesus. And it will cost him his life. And the call To be a disciple of Jesus is the exact same thing to you and me. We might not have to literally be crucified, but Jesus says to pick up your cross and follow him. And so my encouragement to you is pick up your cross and follow Jesus. It's safe spiritually with Christ Jesus. It's safe eternally, but it's not always comfortable. It might cause us some stress. It might cause us some anxiety. But Jesus can turn the worst of deniers into the best of disciples. Jesus calls us to this because this is the path that he walked. Jesus withstood Satan's temptations. Jesus, uh, uh, Satan tried to get Jesus to stumble and to turn away, but Jesus walked the path that God planned for him, and he never stumbled, and he never fell. He never denied his heavenly Father. And if you repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ Jesus just anew every day, God gives us this grace, this this, this record of Jesus Christ. So when God looks at us, he he understands who we are and what we've done. But that ultimate record, that, that record that truly counts is not yours. It's not mine. We can't win our salvation by being bold for Jesus. Our salvation was won by Christ Jesus on the cross. We're saved by God's grace. And as we remember that, as we recognize how loved we are, how accepted we are by Christ Jesus, how much he has forgiven us and how much he cares about us, it's then that we can say, okay, I am safe with the shepherd. I am safe with Christ. I'm going to walk this path again, even if it costs me everything. There are some people in your life who you do not have time to share the gospel with anymore. They have died. But everyone else who's still living, you got an opportunity. And you can pray, Lord, bring someone into their life. (laughs) Maybe the Lord is saying, Yes, I've brought you. (laughs) I've brought you. You don't need a master class in order to share the gospel. We've all uh, known Christ Jesus long enough that we can share this call to repent and believe in Christ. Jesus can take the worst of deniers and make them into the best of disciples. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, We don't have it figured out. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness and for your mercy. And would you transform us? Would you fill us up with your Holy Spirit so that we can follow Christ Jesus? Would we, would we be empowered and walk boldly because of what Christ has given us? Would we weep over our sins of any place in our lives that we have denied you? Help us to be like Peter. Help us to be like Christ. Please bless the offering. In Jesus' name, amen.